Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. We are, we're finishing up this series uh, that we've been in for the last six weeks called Life on Mission. And we've been talking about living a life on mission. Specifically, we've been uh, honing in on five specific actions that, we, that help us engage a life on mission. We, we started off by talking about connecting, about building relationships with, with other people, by seeking them out and, and, and desiring, and not doing it with ulterior motives, just simply because we are followers of Jesus Christ, right? And because God heart, God's heart is for the lost, and so we're gonna build relationships with people, we're gonna connect with them. And then, and then as we connect with them, we begin to, uh, again, as a follower of Jesus, we begin to serve them, right? Not because, again, not because we're trying to bait them in or doing it, just because we're followers of Jesus. As a follower of Christ, we serve, right? And so as you get to connect with these people, you get to know these people, you begin to hear some of their felt needs, you begin to understand where they're struggling, what their challenges are, and then you just decide to step in and serve them. Now, if you've ever wondered, how do I share my faith with somebody? You know, sometimes it feels a little awkward. Like it's gonna, you're gonna, you know, break this barrier trying to, you're gonna say, hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? And they're like, don't talk to me about Christ. And you get a little bit nervous about that, right? But let me tell you something. If you connect with somebody sincerely, build a relationship with them, start serving them, it won't be hard. The opportunity will surface. You'll, be, you'll have an opportunity to share. Because, in fact, most of my conversation with people has not been because I walked up to them and said, hey, let me just tell you about something. Most of my conversation about faith with other people has been because in the process of serving, in the process of connecting and building relationships, they want to know, why are you doing this? What is it about you? Why do you do that? Why do you go to church every Sunday? That's been a favorite, you know, uh, talking point. Of course, when they find out I'm a pastor, like, I get why you go to church on Sunday. Why do they go to church on Sunday, you know? <laughs> and so you have an opportunity to share your story with people. You share the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And then last week we talked about growing. And growing is really all about becoming more and more like Christ. We're, we are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And we're called to make disciples as well, right? And a disciple is one who grows, one who becomes more and more like Christ. Right? We talked about that. We talked about two specific points that we need to think progress, not perfection. That this is a journey. And I look back, I've been almost a Christian for almost 40 years now, and I look back and I, I am so different than I was back then. I have, hopefully, I have become, I believe so, become more and more like Christ. I still have a long way to go, but I have become more and more like Christ over these, over these years. So I'm thinking progress, not perfection. And I'm thinking God's power, not my power. It's not what I do. I mean, there's gonna be things you're gonna do, you know, but God's gonna empower you. God's gonna help you. God's gonna, he's gonna give you the strength to do the things that you need to do. He's gonna give you strength. For, if you're a new Christian, for example, if you're new to the faith and there's relationships that you have that you know those relationships are bringing you down and it's gonna feel impossible to, to kind of break away from those relationships, it's God's power that's gonna help you break away from some of those relationships. If there's habits that you have that you've had for maybe a long time and now you're following Jesus and you know you shouldn't be doing that anymore, it's God's power that's gonna help you break those habits. So think God's power, not my power. Today we're going to look at the fifth action, which is pray. <clears throat> and you might be wondering why, Rich, why did you put pray at the end? I mean, shouldn't prayer be what starts it all? 
right? I mean, yes, prayer should be what starts it all. But I think for our series, put it at the end intentionally because I think sometimes we can use prayer as kind of a default to do nothing. Like there's somebody that we need to connect with. God puts us in a place. We've been praying to, to connect and God puts somebody right in front of us to connect with them, to start building a relationship with them and we don't. We have an opportunity to serve, but we don't serve. And so it's really the operation of all five of these actions, including prayers. Prayer starts from the very beginning, of course. But prayer in many ways is God's, it's, it's, it's God's dynamic to living a life on mission. When you pray, when you pray for others, when you pray for yourself that God will give you courage, because sometimes that's what we need to pray about, right? God, give me courage to be a witness for you. Give me courage to live my faith out at work. Give me courage to, to say the right thing to that person. God, give me the courage. Sometimes we have to pray for ourselves. Prayer in many ways is God's dynamic to living out our mission, our life on mission. We need God's supernatural power. We need the Holy Spirit to be working in our conversations when we're trying to speak about Christ to other people. We need the Holy Spirit working in our conversations. See, it's the Holy Spirit that's gonna woo them. It's the Holy Spirit that's gonna challenge them. It's the Holy Spirit that's actually gonna, gonna challenge their heart to actually listen to the gospel message. So we need God. And because we need God in this activity of living our life on mission, we need to pray. We cannot leave this up to our human abilities, or our human efforts. We need God's power. Now, before we really jump into the whole subject of prayer, <clears throat> let me just, uh, I feel like I need to say this and remind you about something. We, we're not selling something that people don't want. We spent the last six weeks, and I know six weeks, sometimes you're like, man, six weeks, whew. Even I get tired after six weeks of talking about the same thing, <laughs> you know? Uh, but we're not selling something that people don't want. We're not trying to push Jesus on people who don't really want a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, what I think, what I've discovered is that actually, and, and Jesus confirms this, but what I've discovered is that people really are hungry. They're searching for something. Every human soul is searching for something. They may not know that what they're searching for is really a fullness of life with Christ. They may not understand that. We who have given our lives to Jesus and we've begun to serve him and follow him, we get it. We know what it's like to, to live in Christ and the fullness that we get of living that life in Christ and the satisfaction that we get in living that life in Christ. And they may not understand that. They, they're, they're searching, but they don't know exactly what they're searching for. We know that they're searching for Christ. They may say things like, I'm spiritual. They may say, like, they, they may say things like, you know, I, like, you know I, I don't mind having you know, spiritual conversations because they're searching. They're hungry. Sometimes, sometimes they're just tired. Maybe their life is in crisis and they're just tired of living the way they've been living and they're looking for another, for another way. And so we are called to live our life on mission we are called to live our life on mission. It starts with connecting, followed by serving. I mean, I'm, I know it's, I'm not making it linear. It can happen in many different ways. Connecting, serving, sharing, helping them grow, and then praying for them. Now, prayer is an important part of tapping into this spiritual hunger that people have. I mean, it's very easy sometimes after you've connected with somebody, you're building a relationship with somebody, and you're serving them, um, as, you, as you discern, as you discover some need that they might have, you might just simply ask, hey, hey is there anything I could pray with you about? Is that, is that simple? 
And most people don't turn that away. Most people don't say, no, I don't want you to pray. No, I've, I've, that's happened to me where somebody says, I don't want you to pray. But most people are like, yeah, please, will you pray? It shows concern. It shows that, God, that you care, right? So there's so many instances in the, in, in the Bible where you find um, the, the activity of prayer and then how God answers prayer. Imagine that. <laughs> I know it sounds very simple and very simplistic, right? I pray, God answers prayer. But I think sometimes we get so caught up in our faith and our faith is about all these dynamics and these things that we're trying to do and we've got to do this and we've got to perform here and we've got to act that way and we've got to say this right thing and we've got to believe these right things and we kind of forget that a lot of this is just simply saying, God, I need you. God, will you step into this relationship? God, will you change that person's life? God, as this morning, I'm saying, God, help me preach a sermon this morning. I need you. And God answers prayer. And there's so many stories in the Bible of that where the church prayed and God answered. The church prayed and God set people free from jail. The church prayed and God poured out his Holy Spirit. The church prayed and there was miracles and signs and wonders that were happening as they prayed. So pray boldly. Pray that God will open doors. Pray that God will open hearts. Pray that God will touch the person that you're speaking the gospel to and make their hearts sensitive to the gospel. See, when you pray for people, you're creating space for God to work. And, you know, this message, to be honest, I really wrestled with this message this week because I thought, well, it's just so, it's so simplistic. But it's so true. Can I give this to you? So I, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, I bang too much, so I better just get rid of that bottle. <clears throat> All right? When we pray, God answers. And so God's calling us to pray. When we pray for people, you're creating space for God to work in their lives. Right? And the reason why is because only God can change a heart. Like, I can model what it looks like to be a Christian to the best of my ability. I can take, I can take uh, you know, a lot of effort into serving somebody and, you know, giving, you know, helping them out and just doing everything I can to serve them. I can even, as eloquently as I can, share the gospel with them, but none of that, I mean, that's all important. We need to do all of that. But it falls short of actually being able to change that person's heart. Because only God can change a heart. And that's why we have to pray. We have to pray that God will take the words that we speak and make sense, let it make sense to them. That the actions of service that we do, they see it as true compassion from the Lord. We need to pray, right? There's a story in Ezekiel 36. Uh, the prophet is basically speaking to the people of Israel in um, this story kind of communicates this kind of heart surgery that God does, and it kind of reinforces this idea that only God can really change a heart. The context of this is that the, the children of God, Israel has basically rejected God. They've gone against God. They've worshiped other idols. They've done so many things that God has allowed them to basically be taken into captivity. And now they're, they're suffering and God's allowing that. He's allowing them to suffer because he wants, he wants a clean people. He wants people, he wants their hearts changed, but he wants their hearts changed from the inside out. Check out, check out what it says in Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Says, and I will give you, this is uh, this prophet speaking, I mean, God speaking through the prophet, and I will give you a new heart. 
God's going to give us a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. Do you know any stony, stubborn hearts? If they're sitting next to you, don't look at them. Just, okay. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, I love this language here, give you a tender, responsive heart. Only God can do that. Only God can actually give us a tender, responsive heart. Only God can break through a hard heart. We started this whole series in Acts chapter one, verse eight, where the challenge was for us to become, to be witnesses for him, right? And the, and the challenge is for us to live a life on mission, and living a life on mission means to be a witness of who God is in our lives. And that challenge is to go from, to Jerusalem, which is basically our locality, our, our city, to Judea, which is a little bit beyond our area, same culture, same people, to Samaria. Now we're kind of crossing some boundaries of culture. We're going to another culture. To the ends of the earth. That's the call, is to be a witness for him, right? But I want you to notice how this verse begins in Acts chapter one, verse eight. I'm gonna read it again. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then the action is, and you will be my witnesses. When you receive this power and the Holy Spirit comes on, you will then become my witnesses, right? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's what allows us to be on mission. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us that allows us to be on mission. Living a life on mission requires the Holy Spirit working in you, working through you. What's interesting is if you look at, the, the, this is Acts chapter one, verse eight. If you go to Acts chapter two, I don't have the verses up here, but if you go to Acts chapter two, you find the, 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 uh, the story of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gives them these languages, and these are like languages that they did not know, but they're speaking these languages out. And this happens in Acts chapter two. Uh, in fact, I mean, it's just amazing what happens. Right after this, immediately the church just multiplies. It, it grows exponentially. 3,000, then 5,000. Miracles begin to happen. God is using these apostles in an amazing way. In fact, I would just challenge you and encourage you, get the book of Acts, read through the book of Acts, and breathe through the book of Acts with this kind of prayer in your heart. God, Holy Spirit, speak to me. What are you telling me about myself and my, my community, my church, through this book. It's amazing. <clears throat> but here's what I want you to notice about that experience in Acts chapter two. It was preceded by a 10-day prayer meeting. The Holy Spirit came, filled these people to overflowing, but prior to that, there was 10 days of them praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, seeking the power of the Holy Spirit. See, <clears throat> people were praying, and God move. There's a connection, guys, listen to me. There's a connection between a miracle that you need God to do in your life and prayer. There's a connection. There's a connection between that coworker that you have, you care about that coworker, you care about their life, their life is struggling. There's a connection between that coworker finding Jesus and prayer. There's a connection between your spouse who has rejected your faith and, and they just don't believe what you, what, what you believe and they, they have maybe, maybe they're bitter towards you and, and her actually coming to Jesus. There's a connection between that and prayer. 
<clears throat> Prayer is key to us living a life on mission, and God's calling us to that. I remember I you know, talked about this lady um, early on in a series about Sister Sleep. You remember Sister Sleep, the old Pentecostal woman in my church that that uh, basically picked us up every, every, every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night to bring us to church. And, uh, and she served us. She connected with my mom. She became friends of my mother. And then she started serving my family by picking us up and bringing us back and forth to church. There's one thing I didn't say in that story when I talked about her is that Sister Slate was also a praying woman. And I'll never forget the moments. In fact, I thought at that point before I was a Christian, I thought that was just the weirdest thing in my life. I've never seen people do that, you know? Where before she would leave our house, she'd drop us off or she'd bring groceries. And before she'd leave, she'd say to my mom, Irene, is there anything I could pray for you about right now? And my mom would just tell her things and then she would grab my mom's hands and she would just pray heaven down. <laughs> and I'm standing there listening. I'm like, this is weird. This is weird. This is weird. You know, but man, God was moving. And you know what? I would not be standing here right now. I'm telling you, somebody's connected with me. Somebody's served me. Somebody's shared their faith. But I would not be standing here right now if Sister Sleep had not prayed. Prayer is key for us to live a life on mission. The Apostle Paul is one who lived life on mission. I mean, he gave his whole life to be a witness for Jesus. He faced more dangers and sacrificed more than any of us would ever, ever do in our lifetime. There's a moment where he's writing a letter to the Ephesian church. It's the church that he had started. He's in prison in Rome. He's, uh, he's towards the end of this letter. He then makes a request of this church. Now keep in mind, he's in prison, okay? This is what he says in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 18. By the way, this passage right here that I'm about to read is preceded by uh, the passage on the armor of God, where Paul talks about the armor of God, you know, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, you know, all that stuff. And, and that's preceded. And one of those included in that armor is this idea of prayer, okay? This is what he says. And pray, and here's what I want you to know. Count the number of times he uses the word prayer in these, just these two verses here. He says this, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I mean, let's see, one, two, three times, just in, or twice in, that, in just in that one sentence, right? With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whatever I speak, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. He's in prison. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now Paul's a man on mission. And what does he need most? He's asking, he's, he's requesting something from the Ephesian church. What is he asking for? He's asking for prayer. He said, pray for me. And notice he's in prison, but he doesn't say, he'll say, pray that I get released from prison. It's like, it's always in a weird way, Paul's like, this is such a great opportunity that I'm here in prison. So don't, he's like, maybe he's even saying, don't pray that I get released from prison because this is an opportunity for me. He doesn't pray to be released from prison. He doesn't ask for prayer to, to get better food or, or to somehow have better accommodations. That's not what he prays for. That's what we pray for right? That's not what he prayed for. What he prays for is to have the ability to speak the gospel fearlessly to those that he's around. 
That's what he's asking for prayer on. Verse 18 is actually our memory verse in this whole passage. I'm gonna read it again. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. I want you to notice a couple things here. He says, on all occasions, always keep on praying. He talks about this constancy of prayer. It's like this idea, you know, and I get it. We all have our, Many of us have our like devotional times where we get up in the morning, we might read the Bible, we spend some time in prayer, we might spend 10, 15, 20, an hour in, in prayer, you know, and that's, that's good. We need to do those things. Those are spiritual disciplines that we need to practice. But I have to tell you something. I have, there's, a, there's a way that I practice prayer that's a little bit different probably, um, and that is that I'm always having a conversation with the Lord. I, I was sitting there right before service, in my first service and in second service, and I'm not kidding, I know you probably don't know this, but I'm sitting there saying, Lord, help me. I, can, I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> you gotta help me say something this morning. I'm having a conversation with the Lord. I ride my motorcycle here this morning and I'm having a conversation with the Lord. Sometimes I'm driving my truck and somebody comes to mind. In fact, this happened this past week or a couple weeks ago. I was driving up to Cedar Rapids and somebody came to my mind as I was praying and I prayed for this person. Then I made a phone call. And I said, hey, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in a long time. And he said, I was just thinking about you. <laughs> Paul's saying, pray always. Pray always. That's the challenge for us to pray. Pray at all times with all kinds of prayers. And so what Paul's asking for is that we pray for him that he will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel. In other words, he's saying, pray for me that I may be an effective witness to people who do not yet know Jesus Christ, that is our mission. That is our mission. Um, you know, I just want to challenge you. I mean, I'm not, this, this message today is not really to talk about the intricacies of prayer, the effectiveness of prayer, or that kind of stuff like that. We could talk about that. This is really about prayer in the context of living our life on mission. There are people that we need to be praying for. Who are those people? I like to, you know, I've talked about this passage many times in Luke 15, and we're not going to read it here this morning, but it's the story, it's, it's the parable, it's three parables, you know, one after another in Luke chapter 15, where Jesus is talking about what is lost, right? It's kind of, we started off this series talking about what is lost and how God cares for what is lost, right? And so I've become there's... I've a Manchester Christian. Oh. Not, almost, almost. <laughs> we'll get there in a second. <clears throat> but um, he, 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 Jesus tells this, these three parables in succession, right? He talks about the lost sheep, he talks about the lost coin, and then he talks about the lost son. And the whole point of that whole tr you know, trinity of, of parables that Jesus is telling, these stories that he's telling, is to say that God cares about what is lost. God cares about what is lost. He tells the story of the, of the lost sheep, for example, right? There's a shepherd who has 100 sheep. One gets lost. Now the shepherd has to go into like this risk assessment. Should I leave the 99 behind to go after the one? I mean, does that make any sense? Most people say no. Just, you know, send somebody. If, they, if you have somebody, send them to go get that. But protect the 99. That would be the normal way of thinking. But this shepherd probably doesn't have the resources for it, so the shepherd makes this decision to leave the 99 behind and go after the one sheep that's lost. When he finds the one sheep that's lost, he brings it back. What does he do? He calls all of his friends, all of his neighbors, and they celebrate. They have this great party because they found this one sheep. 
God cares about the one. God cares about the one. And let me just put it in context here for us because I think sometimes we, we might have different ideas about this. Aren't you glad that when you needed him, he cared about you? That you weren't just, oh yeah, that, that, those people over there. That almost 40 years ago when I met Jesus for the very first time, he didn't say, uh, what's your name again? I don't remember what's your name. What's your name? He didn't say that to me. He said, Rich, I know everything about you. I know what you've been through. I know your life. I know the suffering that you've gone through. I know the disconnection you've had with your, fa- with your family, with your parents, with your dad. And I love you. And I care about you. The one. <clears throat> God goes after the one. I want us to listen, watch this video here of a guy named John. He's from Manchester Christian Church. It's Manchester, I think New Hampshire. I'm not sure. The, he's got a northeastern accent, so it's up there somewhere. But talking about his own life, his testimony on the ones. Take it. <clears throat> I've been coming to Manchester Christian Church for about four years now. Coming here for me has been a major change in my life. It has opened my eyes to what religion can be and what religion isn't. I used to go to church when I was a kid, and this is definitely not what going to church was all about. I come here and I see these kids running around, having fun, people laughing, people joking on Main Street, sitting in your seat having a coffee and a bagel if you want. As a kid, I went to a parochial school. When we talked about God and Christ, it was never about their love for us or their wanting to be there for us. It was always, you do this or God's gonna get you. So there was no talk of love with Jesus. No talk about love with God. That's how I, my impressions of God became. So coming to MCC, I had been, it had been promoted to me on several occasions by someone I had worked with it for. And, and he said, you know, he knew I was going through a lot of struggles at home, a lot of struggles with my kids. He knew I had some personal struggles I was dealing with. Um, and he said, anytime you wanted to come. And then I saw the movie, Heaven is Real, and, I, and it all just fell in, pl- up in place, and I called up Nate. I said, that's it, I'm going to church tomorrow. Well, I came here, and it was one service. I was like, oh, that wasn't too bad. That was different. I was kind of like, oh, is this what they do? And I'm looking around. There's no one chasing after me. And then I started serving, and then the rest is history. Having Nate pray for me as he was, and I don't know if it was just Nate. It could have been a few other people in Nate's family because I needed a lot of help. But knowing that those folks all prayed for me, it kind of melts me inside that if you knew some of the my past and the bad things and the negative things I had done growing up and the demons that I had in my head and all that bad stuff, you would know that it took a lot to get me from not being in church to being in church and now loving being here. I pray for one. I ask God to give me one person to share his love with, and I do it more than once a day. I do it often, and it could be any time of day. 
I could be walking out to my car and I'd be like, you know, God, please, give me one person to share your love with. I know God loves me. I know Jesus loves me. And I know it's because I came here and I found what, what it meant to be part of Christ and part of God, and having them in your life, not just having them watching over your life to make sure you do good. That's the difference. Uh, amen. <laughs> I like John. He's, he's, he almost looks like he could be a, a character out of The Sopranos, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I like his story. He talks about his struggles, you know? And, and then he tells a very, you know, ordinary story. You know, he walks into church, he looks around like, well, this is, this is weird. I've never been there before, but yeah, this is what they do, you know? And he kind of familiarizes. And you know, I don't know if you realize that, but that's what happens all the time around here. And people walk in, they sit down, and like, yeah, I've never been in a church like this before. They stand and they clap and they raise their hands and they sing and, ooh, that's different. <clears throat> One of the things I love is he, he was invited by a guy named Nate to church. And Nate evidently committed to pray for him. And I don't know if you noticed it when he said, it melted me when I knew that they were praying for me. So here's our challenge, guys. Let's pray for those that we're trying to reach. All right? Now, that's too vague to say, hey, that challenge is to pray. Let's pray for the one. Who's your one? Imagine if the, I don't know, seven, 800 plus people of Life Church said, I'm going to pray for one. I'm going to pray for that one. And I'm going to pray that God will give me opportunities to connect with them. And then over time, figure out ways I could serve them. And when the time is right, I'll share the message of Jesus Christ with them. And if they step in the direction of giving their life to Jesus, I'm going to walk with them and help them grow and become more and more like Jesus. Imagine if we did that. Every one of us decided there's going one person we're going to do that with. That would radically change this church. It would radically change you. And that's really the mission that God is calling us on, right? To pick your one and start praying for them. It's very easy. In fact, it's very simple. You could just simply, uh, as you're connecting with him, just ask him a question. Hey, is there anything I could pray with you about? I love this. I love that question to people that are searching because they're very aware of their need. They're very aware of their brokenness. They're very aware of their hurt. They're very aware of the, of the unfaithfulness of a spouse or the, or the pain that a child has caused. They're very aware of it. And when we say, is there anything I pray with you about? It just, it's a heart connection with them. And so I want to challenge us to do that. That's our mission, right? The one, to connect, to, to serve, at the right time share, and then start walking with them as they become more and more like Christ. Amen. So I'll stand, I want to pray for us. <clears throat> In a second here, we're going to close our service out the way we normally do. We have prayer teams here, left and right. Cedar Rapids, the same way, they'll have prayer teams set up. And uh, we're going to, when we start worship, it'll be an opportunity for you to step out and receive prayer. 
What I want to do right now is I want to pray for us, all of us, as we begin to consider living our life on mission. We just spent six weeks talking about this, okay? And I realized that that there are times, and I know this, we go to church and we hear something and it just like flies over our head. We don't really apply it to us. It's not something that we take on. It's just, oh, we heard it. Sounds good in church. That's about it. My prayer is for all of us is that we will take on the mission of being witnesses for Christ in this world. Amen.